So I've got a question for uh-huh. you. I was ed- editing last week's podcast. Oh. Why do you have the creakiest chair in the world in your office? Do I? Hang on. It's not that creaky. Is it? I can't hear because I've got headphones on. Uh, every <laughs> blinking. Honestly, it's got worse. It's got Has worse. It? I tell yeah, you. I, I like a new chair. I mean, it's, I thought you were at sea. Maybe Santa will bring me one this Christmas. That would be good. good. (laughs) Anyway, listen, I've got a little surprise for you. Some good news. I asked my brilliant goddaughter to uh, sing another song for us. She did this once before Christmas and it was so brilliant and moving. I asked her to do another one and she's performing. I mean, she's just a remarkable, remarkable woman with an incredible voice. I mean, you know, one of these people, you know, against the odds, really. You know, she comes from a very broken, very tough background. Um, you know, but you know, I've tried to be there for her as a godfather, and um, and just so proud of her. Couldn't can't really say any more about it, really. So that's my daughter you're talking about. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. Well, we assume so. Well, good. I didn't <laughs> know you were going to do that, and I look forward to hearing it. Shall we get on with the show? <laughs> Shall we? Welcome everybody to episode, it's not 140, which is on the top of the running order. Oh. That was last week. Give it a rest. It's Christmas! Episode, <laughs> episode 141 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page, there is Joe Davis. Hello, it's Christmas. It is Christmas. <laughs> You're is not it? feeling very Christmassy though, are you? We're going to no, couldn't feel less Christmassy, but it's okay. I'm happy to be here with you, so that's nice. Yeah, and our dear nice. listeners. Yeah, here we are, everyone. Good. So how are you? Okay, yeah. I've just been decanting uh, wine and liqueurs from, from bottles into 56 tiny bottles, ready for the Christmas wine tasting thing. Oh, really? What's this? Tell me about this. Well, you know, this is where it's where you, you deliver all these sort of boxes on people's doors with lots of little oh, right. wine things, and then you have a Zoom and you, you, I you didn't taste know them. That. Oh, yeah, it's great. Sh- should, should I look out for mine in the post? <laughs> you could do. You need to. <laughs> what zone, what tier are you in? <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, uh, yes, oh, that sounds lovely. It's all been a bit Zoom-tastic recently. We've done some Zooms on the Soul Place, uh, the uh, the page, which I've encouraged listeners of ours to to join, and that's been fun. Some great discussions around faith and life and everything. So that's been good. And uh, yes, supposedly someone tells me I've no idea if this is true that it's Christmas this week, this coming week. Yeah, well, no, it, it it's it's certainly getting on that way. Um, listen, I'm talking about Zoom. Hmm. I uh, I uh, well, I preached, I suppose. I don't feel Did like you? preaching at there at um, the Southampton Vineyard Church, which ah, you spoke yes, at. yes, yeah. And you... uh, happily, it's still going. <laughs> he tidied up to... my mess. <laughs> yeah, you haven't actually managed to ruin it for anybody. <laughs> and I got a I got um, a prophetic limerick again. Did you? So you that gift of limerick? <laughs> Great. Which is, I think it's just a it's wonderful fantastic. gift to have, isn't it? It's so great. Yeah, that it's is It's much brilliant. better than the prophetic bongos, which I must I once encountered. But anyway, <laughs> this is from Erica, and her limerick was this. This talk is by the famous Nick Page. He's written a lot for a man of his age. He enjoys a good pun, <laughs> makes theology fun, and is paid more than the Joe Davis wage. Hey! hey. Yes, I'm not bitter about that at all. <laughs> 
not sure that's true. Oh, dear. But that was good. <laughs> that yeah, is great. Good. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to speak at oh, another friend of ours, a friend of the uh, show, yes. uh, John Roberts Church in Moses Lake, that Washington. is brilliant. Yes, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, get you. Well, the great thing about it is I recently found this thing, which is that uh, the British accent... Mm has been voted the sexiest accent on earth. No. Yeah, that apparently. That cannot be true. Uh, apparently, uh, I will put the link uh, in the show notes okay. to the research. This is a British survey. I'm sure it's no, a British no. survey, <laughs> not a I French one. <laughs> I don't know where the survey was from, actually. Uh, let me just see if I can... Well, it's it's sure it's sure to have been a French survey done by Frenchmen. I'm I'm sure they would all agree the British accent is the (laughs) is Time Out magazine uh, says according to the Time Out Index survey, asked thirty seven thousand people in upwards of thirty countries which accent they found sexiest, and the British accents took twenty five percent of the overall vote. Wow! So there you go. Okay. So, you know, I don't think either of us have ever sounded so hot. <laughs> anyway, how are you, other than sounding incredibly hot? Well, you know, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Um, well, here's the thing. I'm okay, but I was I had to isolate. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I got a, a thing on the track and trace doodah. And, th- and here's what Did happened. You? Right. you know that saying, no good deed? goes unpunished have you ever heard that uh, yes it's I, like you I, try I, and do something good and, yeah. and backfire yeah so uh, you know a, a little while ago a couple of weeks ago claire and i well claire to be honest she noticed that a couple of our colleagues were looking a bit down mm. you know feeling a bit mm. feeling a bit low they do work and, with you yeah that's true well that's why i never notice it to be honest because none of them ever look pleased to see me on a zoom call um, and uh, she said, well, sh- we should do something to cheer them up. Maybe we could. And, and I said, well, maybe we could take them some uh, hot punch or something and, mm. and panettone, you know, do a little mm. Christmas delivery thing. Mm. And I uh, thought this was a great idea. And so we met with, you know, proper regulations. We six of us gathered in a mm. garden, mm. all spread out. Yeah. And we had a little drink. Anyway, week goes by. One of them tests positive for COVID. Mm. Uh-oh. So we had to isolate. I mean, you do one good deed for people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You try and be nice to your colleagues. <laughs> yeah. And you're punished for Well, it. that'll teach you. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry to So when can you un-isolate? Oh, I can already, because it was already a week gone by by that time right. they notified us. And then um, over the weekend, in a in a fairly unprecedented move, the government changed the regulations because they haven't done Oh, that. yeah, from 14 to 10 days. Yeah, so they changed right. 14 to yeah. 10 days, so it ended yeah. quite quickly. I was tempted, though, to keep it going because, well, uh, you know, Martha, my youngest daughter, was having to do all the dog walking. And, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I was tempted to say, no, no, it's a serious one. We've got to do it for about four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll I have know. to do all the shopping. <laughs> I thought Claire made you self-isolate most of the time anyway. Well, that's a totally different issue. <laughs> she, had, she had to isolate as well. So, you know, we were both stuck in. Anyway, oh, but we're fine. We're fine. Good. Talking of being fine. Yes. Um, is it, What about the winter wellness? Ah, we haven't really had a winter wellness update for quite a while. We haven't done an update while, for a we? while. No, not really. Um, well. I mean, to yes. be honest, we launched the whole winter wellness thing. 
Yes. And then the country went into lockdown. It did indeed. And yeah. things have got worse. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure how well that's gone, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, I've still got down the beach plenty. So maybe have you? I, that's good. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Have to. I have to. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, apart from having to lock myself in for a bit, I, it's, <laughs> I've tried to get out as much as possible. But I don't feel very, you know, I don't feel like winter. I think it's been a big challenge, winter wellness this year. Yes, it certainly has. Yeah, yeah I would agree with you. And uh, talking of this year as well, uh, obviously this is going to be our last show uh, for this year. It is, yes. Um, because we're going to take, uh, you know, a break over oh. Christmas, as you do. And uh, then we'll be back in the new year. And I guess we'll be revisiting our themes, which, again, yes. has gone tremendously well hasn't, this year. <laughs> hasn't that gone well? Yes. We I can't will. remember what yours was. Mine was outside, which sort of actually did go quite well this year. I did do quite a lot of outsidingness, but yeah. uh, I can't remember what yours was. I don't know. Was it well-being? Was, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, something about something, going on holiday a lot. Something, la- something laughable, yeah. <laughs> So we'll we'll have a look at that in the new year, and if you want to yeah. sort of reflect, any listeners want to reflect on how their themes have gone, you yeah. Know, uh, or if you don't know what we're talking about, I'll put a link to the episode where we talked about it and how <laughs> yeah. how laughably naive we were. Yes. Anyway, yeah. or just to hear your reflections on the year would be good. Send your yes. emails to Joe yes. at midfaithcrisis.org. As you normal, know, that would be good. What yeah. What have you learned this year? What Yeah. What, yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Hey, okay. we could we could even start the year with a reasonably good episode that way. Yeah, well, it's never happened before, so I'm not holding my hopes <laughs> I know. I very high. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, should we get on with feedback? I think we should. Yes, indeed. Anyway, so here we go. Uh, from Ian, he says, "I loved the letter today about the supernatural magic stuff. I think there's a third way, which is I don't know and probably never will." I know that many people, particularly the gospel readers, sincerely believed they saw a miracle by which I would define something I can't explain by the law of physics. This is different from a mystery or something that's hard to explain with present scientific understanding. It doesn't matter how many dimensions you have. A dead person is dead and water has no wine in it. To change that requires the laws to physics to bend. And this is supernatural. The truth is, the truth is that I will never be able to prove or disprove that these these events actually happened and it's also true that the answer to the question is really important however i'm afraid i have given up on it i can't force myself to believe that they are definitely true but i hold open the possibility that what they thought they saw and what really happened are the same thing i have learned to be comfortable with this as i'm comfortable with not understanding so many things i know this may be a total cop-out but it gets me through the day and that's for me yeah, I mean, I think this basically that is the issue, isn't it, with miracles? Yeah. Yes, it with, is. certainly as the gospel writers describe them, you know, yeah. that is the issue. Uh, I think whatever you think of them, um, I still think what's the what's the meaning of them is yeah, still key. Absolutely. What is it? What there there is still, I think, something, and if you like, supernatural to be experienced through them. Through those uh, stories, there's something, uh, yes. there's mystery to be uncovered in there. Absolutely. And so, what do they mean for us, and what what are they really about? It still remains, I think, really key, uh, and not in some dry academic way, not in kind of like, oh, you know, because Jesus mm. bent this by the, you know. Mm. So, lot with the feeding of the five thousand, there's always a lot of stuff about the the, the, mm. the messianic banquet and all this kind, of, and that is true. But but I mean, actually, what does it mean for me? What yeah. do I take away from this? How does Scripture speak to me? Anyway, yeah, good. Yeah, thank you for, thank Amen. You for that. I think Amen. that sums sums up a lot of people's 
uh, yes. issues yeah yeah okay scott says hi joe and nick just listened to episode 140 and was particularly interested in discussions on miracles divine intervention I come from an evangelical slightly fundamentalist background and i was certainly taught to believe that every miracle in the bible was an accurate telling of what had happened however now i find myself in my 10th year of mid-faith crisis and like some of your other recent <laughs> correspondents wondering how it ever ends my approach to miracles and divine intervention is much more maybe one thing that has struck me, however, is that sometimes just believing in a sort of magical, all-powerful divine intervention may actually be easier thing to believe. For example, take the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which you just mentioned. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assuming that the event did happen, there are two possible explanations. Either God slash Jesus really did multiply the bread and fish, or lots of people had actually taken a packed lunch with them and on seeing the attempt to feed everyone with such a pitiful amount, decided to step up and share their food. He says, what strikes me is it is probably more miraculous that people shared what they had than that God multiplied the food. Creating food out of nothing sounds easier than changing people's hearts. Anyway, that's uh, <laughs> thanks for all you're doing with the podcast. He's absolutely right, isn't he, actually? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I'm not... <laughs> yeah. I, there's a third explanation of the feeding of the 5,000, which I think I put in a tabloid Bible years ago, which is... He cuts the bread very thin, said sceptics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. OK, moving on. Are you going to turn your phone off before I move on, by the way? And switch it to silent? Just Did asking. it just... It pinged. Ping. And oh, oh, how you get at me with my phone well, pings. Do you know what? I was wearing a new pair of headphones and they're noise isolated and I couldn't hear anything. Ah, well, welcome to my creaky chair world. That's how it yeah, rolls. Yeah. Creaky chair world sounds like the worst theme park ever. Yeah, it does. Rachel, uh, on Halloween, she says. That's odd. I don't know whether that's supposed to be there, but it does say this. It says, hello, Joe and Nick. I listened to this week's podcast where yesterday when Nick was talking about Christmas, having a bit of a suspicious attitude towards anything which could be construed as pagan, i.e. greenery, mistletoe, etc. And it resonated with thoughts I'd had over the years. Then she talks about the suspicions they were taught of the New Age movement, and in particular, whale music, and then the dangers of Halloween. There's the Halloween connection. I <laughs> ah, knew it. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Some years ago, I was involved in leading a children's group at church. As Halloween approached, a discussion among the leaders was the usual, how do we warn the children that indulging in trick-or-treating and other related activities is very, very dangerous and bad. And even though it looks fun, there's a real risk you could end up getting sucked into a life of Satanism and eternal damnation by dressing up as a character from Harry Potter and requesting smarties from your neighbours. But fear not, Christians can have just as much fun doing safe things instead. There'll still be sweets. I took on the job of organising the session and decided to start by looking at some of the origins of the Halloween traditions. I was on a tight schedule. I always end up doing these things on a bit of my hoof. So I probably don't have all the details correct. Nick will probably have more information and be more accurate. But I was really struck when reading up about it how most of it originated with a church festival in the first place. She also says a few years ago, someone spoke at another church about an event they were organising for Halloween. She said that the previous year she had been out in the town prepared to pray for people and against any dark forces. But what she actually saw was joy, fun, laughter, the community having fun together. I know that this sounds very idealised and it's not all cute toddlers dressed in sheets. I'm not sure what I'm getting at, really. Just a feeling that like with the pagan connections or faux pagan connections of Christmas, the church can feel very fearful at times, believing itself to be under personal attack when really we're all just human beings taking any excuse for a celebration, especially during the cold, dark winter months. 
Years like this one remind us of just how important that is. I'm sure the church has a role in the human need for celebration and connection. I'm just not sure that it should always be the role of the disapproving killjoy in the corner. What do you think? Is this where the church sees itself or have I really fallen away? <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Uh, I think you have, Rachel. Let's yeah. us, let us now pray for your soul. Yes, well, let's. Okay, well, I must admit, I, don't, I haven't really looked into it a lot, so I don't know the, the, the true ins and outs. But, I mean, it's it's... All Hallows Eve, you oh. know, it's it's All Saints Day, um, uh, or you know, as its alternate title. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, I think again, most of the sort of paganist stuff, I'd have to really check it up. Really, post dates Christianity. It's not pre. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. And so far yeah. as we know it, um, and and so obviously there's always going to be a lot of folk customs, and I do know, I think there were some sort of harvesty kind of. Uh, festivals around that time as well um but i think that that, that's saying exactly what she's saying i was i mean this was actually one of the first cracks in my kind of moving away from that old evangelical world was Mm. just looking at halloween and thinking i don't think i've ever seen anybody lured Mm. into satanic practices by halloween not even carving a pumpkin no do you know what i don't (laughs) think it's ever happened but I have seen lots of people sort of fall prey to consumerism, yeah, and, and, yeah, and I know. gluttony, and those bits yeah. never get talked about in the church. No, exactly. Yeah. It, it just well, felt like all the time we were we were yeah. choosing an easy target in a way. Yeah, I always found it extraordinary that the same parents that were banning Harry Potter were the same ones who'd read Narnia stories to their kids, and I'm thinking, yeah. well, there's a lot of crossover here. <laughs> Well, and Harry Potter, I mean, it's, you know, I'm not giving any spoilers, but there is a very strong sort of Christian kind of element yeah, to it, I think. Yeah, there is. Um, no, I, I, I do think, I think we just don't, it, it is actually what I said in in the Christmas book, if it looks pagan, it must be pagan. You know, it's kind of like that thing that we just, yes. we've lost that ability to celebrate these things. Right. I, I'll, I'll probably get on to Halloween in the next book, I think. Yeah, good. Maybe. Well, for those of you who didn't buy it, Nick's book is wonderful. Go buy it. Oh, talking of which, mm-hmm. uh, I I talked last week about a lecture I was doing. Oh yeah, and it's online if people want to do it. Well, well how can people? Do, have you sent me the link to put on our uh, Facebook well, page? No, you haven't. Link. No, I will. It's only just come out the link, and I'll send oh. it and I'll put it in the show notes. Would you honestly? Well, you really are a scroogey old Scrooge. No, today, but you aren't just you? don't. You you prompt you. You're just a grumpy old Grinch. Over promise, under deliver. That's all I'm come saying. Come on, let's go. Right, on okay, right, Glyn. Now, Glyn asks the burning question as we, and we would expect nothing less from glenn he says joe further to episode 140 re christmas traditions etc i believe i didn't discern any mention of the well-loved indoor christmas plant the poinsettia maybe i missed it <laughs> perhaps your esteemed historian and colleague dr page has covered it in his recent book which is on my christmas list but i haven't been able to read it yet he says i'm of the view that it may possibly be an ancient christmas symbol but maybe it only began in 1904 when the waitrose food emporium was created but whatever the history i feel it's a vital addition to the seasonal home the main point of discussion it generates is around the fact that its leaves are curling and dropping off at an alarming rate and nobody knows whether we've watered it too much or too little keep up the great work lads thanks as always glenn burns <laughs> what, what i love about this yeah. i love two things about this firstly the idea that the book is so all-encompassing it might actually have something about poinsettias in which it doesn't it should do but secondly i, I do know the answer to this do you yeah and oh, i know I it of course that. off the t- off the top of my head without having done any research mm. 
without you mentioning <laughs> poinsettias to me and without actually suddenly okay. looking things up. Yeah. So the first mention of poinsettias comes, uh, as I believe, in 1836 in Curtis's <laughs> Botanical <laughs> Magazine. You're inventing this. No, no, this is true. Actually, I've really just looked it up in the Oxford <laughs> English Dictionary, uh, which, which is great, which shows all the first um, mentions of yeah. things. So first mention of poinsettia, 1836, which it refers to the showy poinsettia. And then I think we can pinpoint the Christmas tradition because 1988 edition of Gardening Now right. says poinsettias are now a traditional part of Christmas. Oh. So it's not 1904, Glyn. I reckon mm. 1980s was when they suddenly got associated with, with Christmas. Mm. So there you go. That is I don't think fantastic. it's really answered the question about whether you're watering it too much, though. No, that might that's... be a different podcast. It's a very key question. If you know the answers, folks, send it in. <laughs> well, you're good at gardening. You should know that. Yeah, no, not necessarily. But I don't have any poinsettias in my garden. And if I did, I wouldn't know what well, to do. Well, they die in your garden, aren't they? Indoor plants. Well, I don't know. They don't. Plants mm, generally start their life outdoors, don't they? Yes, I mean... but not the ones from the southern hemisphere that we grow <laughs> the indoors. Supermarket. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, so there we go. So uh, lack of gardening advice and some very hurriedly found historical baubles about yeah. poinsettias. Um, yeah. But you, I'm worried about you, Joe. Because mm. you? you are normally Mr. Christmas. I know. Well, yeah. Very excited, still waking at four in the morning, bouncing on the bed. <laughs> Can we open presents? Can we open presents? <laughs> That's every day. Yeah. <laughs> That's not Christmas. <laughs> and you're you're telling me you've been saying to me you've never felt less no, Christmassy. I have never felt less Christmassy. Um, I think I blame COVID. Mm. Uh, uh, I think that's partly it. I think also because I'm just sort of decorating the house a bit, and so I haven't put the decorations up yet. On a oh right, you're, act, you're actually doing proper decorating. I'm actually, I'm actually painting the dining room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I don't think that could be it. It's just yeah, it's just weird. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it. It is Christmas, literally. In a few days' time, and uh, I haven't really thought about it. But it's all the. It, I mean, it, in a sense, right. it feeds in with all the things we've talked about in recent mm. episodes about tradition, the way we make traditions. We've mm. actually been denied all our own personal traditions around Christmas this time. So, yes. you know, the Christmas shopping. I normally make a great big list of food that I'm going to cook and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I look at all those great lists of, you know, what, what supermarkets do the best bits and pieces and all that, you know, and do all that. Mm. I haven't done any of that because I'm not really mm. going to see many people. So no. all that, all the little rituals. Yes. Yeah, that's. I think that's exactly it. And even in you know my own sort of cult church slash church, um, mm. because we're not meeting, we're doing stuff on Zoom. That's not the same. We'd, but normally by now we'd have done lots of meditations around Advent together, and we'd have had lots of meals together. And, we, and, and I think the sociability of that sort of yes. brings a bit of energy around Christmas. And we're actually going to be doing our kind of big advent reflection tonight. So that might change things for me, I guess. Um, but I think it's, um, yeah, I, th I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's just none of the little traditions that actually perhaps do make you feel a bit Christmassy have happened, mm. really. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we haven't had anything like that. We haven't done that. I haven't argued with Claire about how much we're spending on presents. You know, <laughs> yeah. Scrooge McPage. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So it's it is odd because we've yeah. we're 
the run up just hasn't been the sort of run up in that in that one. Yeah. So I suppose the question is really, well, what is what's going to help you connect with the the good news? What's going to help you connect? Yeah. With well, I, I tell you, can I start with a negative? I tell you what doesn't help me. <laughs> what doesn't help me is the things that you've sort of touched on in your your book. Your book did help me, but the things you touched on a little bit is this kind of. Hollywood saccharine street stable scene with the baby Jesus glowing, yeah, the ready yeah, brick glow. Yeah. And, and you know, the cattle are lowing and, the, you know, there's angels and there's lovely shepherds who are excited. And, you know, that kind of image, I think, just serves to disconnect me. It just, uh, that's a lovely story. But honestly, I don't have time for that, really, right. at the moment. It's just like, hey, that's nice. But, you know, I'm trying to do my life here at the moment and I don't really see the connections. So that that whole saccharine sweet side of Christmas doesn't. But actually, do you know, the the brutal reality of the birth of Jesus, strangely enough, does connect me. You know, we're talking about a virtually homeless, you know, kind of teenage girl having a baby with you know and forgive my graphicness here but you know oh, from my experience of giving birth which you know is limited from <laughs> you, a man's point of view but you stood by and watched <laughs> yeah but you know not to put too fine a point on it there's blood and there's placentas yeah. and there's you know gritty reality and there's you know nursing staff and people to support you and help you through it and and i think that that story that is you know seldom told really amidst the you know lovely stable scene you know the truth of that and I, and i mean it about the blood actually but there's something about that that really is good news there's something about god is connected to the grit and grime of life and i think in the christmas story we've tried to we've tried to airbrush it all out mm. and make it all a happy happy lovely peaceful mm. scene with lovely mm. people visiting and bringing gifts and actually we've we've overshot the kind of, you know, the gritty reality of Jesus' birth. And in any case, I, you know, I still have issues with remembering a baby, I suppose, you know, because you don't do it with other people's birthdays. You don't, you don't go, oh, remember the little baby Elvis was born on this day. <laughs> what a lovely thing. What a lovely baby. You know, well, you remember. <laughs> you do celebrate birthdays, no, don't you? No, I mean, but what you, you do on a birthday is you remember the life of someone, don't you? And how right, much you appreciate okay. them and how much you love them and how much, you know, that's what you do. You don't sort of harp on about babies in normal birth no. celebration. And this, in fact, is the birthday of a baby who's one or something. <laughs> okay, well, about humbug. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't no, mean I think, to be I, humbug. But it's yeah, just, well, it's, there's it's, a there's a weirdness around the whole Christmas thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I suppose there's a few. Things. I mean, what, basically, what you're talking about is the representation of the event, not the event, yes. isn't it? It's, it's, so it's actually no. connecting with the real event helps you. Yes, but but the tidier event, yeah. you know, with the, with the children's version in a sense, yes. which is partly yeah. what drives it. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't help you at all. I I would. No, it I, doesn't. I can agree with that. I mean, in terms of sweet Hollywood Christmas, I mean, actually, funnily enough, that does help me connect, but only in terms of watching uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol, you know, which obviously should start Christmas. We're not going to disagree on that. You know, or love, actually, <laughs> or any of that. But, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think that's true. I suppose the thing is, is, is 
Yeah, to remember that yes, the pain and the grit and and the reality of giving birth and the, but also mm. there's a joy there, isn't there as well? So it, giving birth is a despite that a joyful. Absolutely, event. and 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 that and thinking about that helps me connect to the joy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because I okay. remember yeah. the joy no, of my own children's birth. Actually, yes. overwhelmed with joy to such an extent that it helps you forget. The, the blooming mess of it, I suppose, really. Well, I mean, who are we to say? Uh, you know. I know, I know. Yeah, exactly. And then I think the other words that always strike me as important, particularly, I think, after this year. I mean, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to use the kind of unprecedented words and all this, but what a year it has mm. been one way or another. I think if you, if someone asks how you are or you ask someone how they are and they say, OK, I think that's success. I think that's, you know, well done, you. You're okay. Mm. If you're okay at the end of this year, I think you've done really well. But the words fear not, I think, are quite a central part of the, well, not just the Christmas story, but the whole biblical narrative, really. Because it strikes me often that the whole God system, if I can call it that, is based on fear. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, yeah, I know. I came up with that phrase, God system. I quite like it, but I don't know that it means anything. I mean, the whole religious thing, like fear is the, you know, the modem operatus of oh, religion. Oh, you mean sort of formal religion? Kind yeah, of formal stuff. religion. Here's, here's how we're going to get people to fall, fall yeah, in line. Okay. We're going to tell them there's a God and God is something to be scared of. And God's going to get you and God's going to judge you. And no wonder people are petrified. Uh, when, you know, an angel appears and he goes, you know, oh, representative of God, panic immediately. And the first words are fear not. Yeah. Um, but actually, that's, you know, that's not who who God is. Um, God is not something to be afraid of. Um, I think it's appropriate to be in awe and wonder. Sure. And I think that's what fear means when, you know, the beginning of the Psalms, we talk about, yeah. you know, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Um, but I don't think it's being afraid fear. I think it's awe and wonder. And so and so to me, you, you know, this birth narrative can can be the start of reorientating that very primal instinct in us that, you know, God's something to be really afraid of. No, God's showing up. God's in town. Yeah. And that's something that's really good. And here's good news. God shows up in the grot and the grime of life. In fact, God shows up in the dark months, not in the summer months when everyone's having parties and it's great. And hey, Jesus is here. But in the darkness and the difficult times and in the, you know, COVID times and all the rest of it. Here's where here's why Christ shows up. So I, I think there's something to celebrate here. But the question is, how do you how do you access that joy? And everything. And for me, it's about taking time out to A, think about the real story of what's going on here and and B, the real radical nature of what God with us really means. And and I guess the more I, I will take time out to do that, if there's time, and we always talk about this every year, Christmas comes out, it's the worst time of year to celebrate the incarnation because you're too blooming busy. So busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in as much as I take time out, to think about those incredible aspects of Christmas, you know, I, I assume I will feel a bit more Christmassy. How about you, though? Well, I think maybe it links back to what uh, I can't remember the email um, was about. We're looking at the story and we talked about the stories um, and how you respond to those miracle mm. stories, whatever. Because I think that what you're talking about is mm. how do you really 
engage with that story. What does it mean for me? What is mm. what's mm. the message in there for me? And and in the same way, like you know, you just talked about Jesus coming in the darkness. Well, we don't actually mm. historically, of course, we don't know that's when he came. Ah, we, we, yeah. No, but I'm not, I don't mean I'm not yeah, trying no, to make no, a sure. clever point here. I'm saying no, no, no. Yes, that a that, very good that point. Yeah. doesn't matter because what you're drawing out of it is a truth that in mm. the dark times Jesus is yeah. is with us. Jesus yeah. is there, and and I think that may be one of the reasons why they did the church did choose to put this celebration in winter. It's because it's an anti kind of darkness message. Ex- except it's in summer in Australia. Yes, but they uh, they are really. <laughs> yeah. we, so I, we don't need to dwell on the, the outcasts, do we? The point is, and I do, I do mean this about the focus on the baby thing. I, you know, I, I don't want to trivialise that because there is awe and wonder in babies and new life and birth. Don't, don't get me wrong, but you know, Jesus, who stands for love and shalom and justice and a new humanity, and and and, and this invitation. You know, it's not to a private members club, which I often think is how, you know, I used to run the church, <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it. But but, you know, Jesus was advocating this new way of living on the earth, you know, a new kind of humanity uh, in sync with God's kingdom. So so that is something to kind of get excited about again. But what happens over the years? I think when you're a kid, you get told the story As you go through the church, you're told this is a very important year. As you become a minister, if you do, then it becomes a hassle because you've got all these blooming services to organise, you know. And then it's somehow it's easy for the one, the real wonder and joy of it to get lost. So easy. Hmm. Well, I think the wonder is in there that that the idea of the incarnation in all Hmm. its fullness you know, in other words, not just appearing. Yeah. I mean, you know, the ancient world is full of depictions of incarnations happening, of mm. God suddenly appearing and becoming mm. like, you know, Zeus as a bull or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's not like they went through the pain of growing up. as a... The whole no. point about the Christian thing is it's a true, full mm. incarnation. Yeah. With all that that means. Yeah. And in all those circumstances. And therefore, that's where I think the baby bit is important. You know, that it, it's, mm. it's still part of that. Um, but I think, yeah, absolutely, it's part of the mm. big whole story, and mm. it, this is a this is an access point for us mm. to engage with the big story, the big, the big. Yeah, exactly. Of Jesus, um, you know, it's just as other parts of the year are the same way. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Well, look, I think there is a lot of good news in there, isn't there? I mean, there is a lot of good news. I, for me, I suppose the the thing that I'd like to take away from this, or the thing I've been thinking about, is. You know, if we do access it, how do we mm. communicate that to others? Once we've connected, yeah. once we've connected with all those things—that shalom, justice, love—the things that mm. you were just talking about—the yeah. challenge is for us, I suppose, to be the good news at this time of year. Yeah. And it can be a challenge, and this year it will be a challenge. I think yes. it can be a challenge yeah. in good years, actually, because you get tremendously yeah. pressurized. Yeah. You know, don't exactly you? Right. Christmas. Yeah. Um, how can we bring peace on earth just to our little bit of little patch think, of that's it? A, that's a brilliant question. Yeah. What what are the tidings of comfort and joy that I'm going to be able to sing in a way to people? Um, I I've been thinking about this, and we, I'd like to suggest one group to whom, who I I know from talking to them yeah. through various parts yeah. of my job, yeah. And sometimes they get a little bit of a, a bad rap in, in mid faith crisis because of various mm. things, and mm. that's church leaders. 
you know, and, and I mean, we've always in this podcast yeah. been very supportive of church we've leaders. We've always tried to. to do that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's been really tough on the leaders of oh, faith communities oh, this oh, year. Oh. Really hard. And they've had to adapt really quickly. And, you know, a lot of them are not mm. the most technologically minded people. And they've That's suddenly true. had to embrace all that. They've had yeah. to be yeah. creative. And everyone I've met recently, and I meet quite a lot, have been quite tired, really. They're quite mm. tired. Yeah. Christmas is always tiring. So, I mean, for me, I think I'm just thinking, what can I do for church leaders? How can I encourage them? How can I reach out to them? I mean, people, yeah. I'm including yeah, you no. in this as well, yeah. you know, because well, I'm including you. Well, I'm no, I think the Anglican church is not in such dire straits that it needs <laughs> me to assume any leadership. God has saved them from that particular fate. Uh, but you know what? How people with those? How do we reach out to our whatever community yeah. you're connected with? I don't know. Maybe you're in a monastery. Yeah. How do you help your abbot? Whatever yeah. you know. What can you do? Can we encourage them? Can we yeah. just say well done? Can we take some load off them? That would be for me. I think yeah. one of the groups that I think I yes. would want to encourage. Yeah, and I love this because it brings me back to a truth that I constantly need reminding of over and over again, which is when you feel low and lack purpose or drive or anything it, it here's an antidote that i found often works time and time again go be kind to someone just mm. go and do an outrageously kind act for someone else i know you want someone to do that for you but hey just go do it for someone else anyway it kind of takes you out of yourself as well uh which i think in a good sense uh, mm. if i can put it that way so i i love this because i think you are you know that question how can I be good news is is something to constantly be asking ourselves, but perhaps never more so than at Christmas, because Christmas means different things to different people. I think if you've got a family of people, it means excitement. It might mean a headache, but generally it's exciting. Um, you know, there's kids around, there's presents to get, there's watching the wonder on their faces. There's all that sort of thing that is lovely, lovely. Mm. But for other people, it's a really depressing time. It's a lonely yeah. time of year and everything. So, so to you know, to, like you say, in your circle, what can you do to be good news to those people? How can you bring a bit of joy? You know, be the good news, be the joy of Christmas, be the the good tidings. And rather than worrying too much about oh, what's this story? I know I'm meant to be happy. I know there's joy, but I don't really know how to access it and everything. I think I think sometimes it's the, these are better questions to ask than those. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, look out for others. Uh, try and bring a bit of peace on earth. Um, be whatever tidings of comfort and joy you can, I think. Well, that's what I'm going to try and do. I'm not very good at it, but we'll give it a go. Now, listen, Yeah. we should wind up. And I oh. notice, talking of church leaders, what I've noticed mm. over the last few weeks is just <laughs> how you're blossoming again into... <laughs> into a minister you've got this thought in your mind don't you? you're just blossoming you've been preaching you've been... and i i was thinking wouldn't it be good if you gave us all a blessing and then what we'll do is we'll end with with a lovely song from my lovely daughter and your lovely goddaughter yes, yes. well that sounds like a brilliant idea but before i do any such blessing a very very sincere thank you to everyone who's journeyed with us through the yes. through the this year, you know we we said in lockdown that our contribution will be to keep going every week, 
<laughs> I don't know whether that was the kindest thing to do or not, really. Well, you know, no, it is touching. It is truly touching. We get emails and things from yeah. people who say, oh. "Look, we've really, you've, we've, we've really valued the podcast." And what is it? It's two bald blokes wittering on yeah. uh, and so about it's... their lives and realizing they've realized that their lives don't seem so bad. No. <laughs> so we've helped people. Yeah, good. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, we we are very grateful for that, Andrew, and uh, thankful for this community as well. But you know, as as I said, Joe, you are very much now the padre <laughs> of this community, and I think that would be good if you gave us a Christmas blessing, and then we can have a we can have a collection and do other <laughs> things. We could all deliberately go after we're listening to this podcast and make some very bad coffee and just talk to each other. It'd be great. <laughs> Anyway, with that in our hearts, God bless you. We wish you yes. a really happy Christmas. We'll be back with you in the new year. And uh, here's a blessing for you all. So may you know light in your darkness. May you know peace in the chaos. May you be content with mystery in the midst of mid-faith questions. May you be the good news to everyone you encounter this Christmas. May you share what you have with those in need. May you be a sign of God's compassion in the heart of this world. And may you know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you right now, this Christmas time and always. Amen. <laughs>